0: hey mike
1: hey jamie how are you
0: i'm doing great how are you
1: let me let you in on my plan here it's a little devious so um you know i do other podcasts right right i do uh i do podcasts with a friend that's been a friend of mine for long over 20 years michelle She she actually lives pretty close to you she's in in chattanooga
0: Oh,
1: okay. But we do we we did the show The Affair and Um Fargo, Louie, Orange is the New Black, True Detective. So we've been doing this for a while. So oh, okay. The Affair, I don't know if you've seen any of The Affair. No. It's uh it's a show that was on Showtime. It just ended its first season, they had ten episodes. But it was based pretty much on this um Kurosawa principle of
0: oh, the uh, um the, uh, the
1: Rashomon, prin- the Rashomon uh, principle. Yeah, the heard? Rashomon theory of having different perc- perceptions of things. Uh-huh. So my idea, and I know I'm hitting you with this, and if it's okay with you, I'd like to include it in what we um, podcast here, and what I, what I publish, is uh-huh. I just did the review of the movie with Michelle. Mm-hmm. I'd like to do it with you, and then I'd like you to do it with her. Oh, awesome. So we get three perceptions of what the movie was. Oh, absolutely. So it's a bit of a social experiment. And I and I hit each of you with this on the fly so that your, your, your response will be heard live <laughs> in the podcast. Um, so none of it was planned out. Like, okay, we'll have a meeting behind the scenes, you three, us three, and we'll talk about what we're going to do. So... Also, I'm not gonna am not gonna publish the podcast I just did with her, or I'm not gonna let her hear the one I do with you um, before you guys talk to each other. Okay, I'm just put them all together.
0: Oh, that sounds great.
1: Yeah, so it's so of course um, the Rashomon principle is that things happen, but people have different perceptions of it. So um, in my podcast with Michelle Jamie. <laughs> I'm going to Uh to keep a scorecard here to keep all these names right. In my (laughs) podcast with Michelle, I kind of took the lead and walked us through it. And um, she responded and we talked about it. I'm going to let you take a little bit more of the lead in this podcast. So I'm not directing, directing you towards any specific opinion of the movie. Okay. But so let me just ask you, um, had you heard of this movie before I brought it up to you the other day?
0: No, I hadn't. Um, Which is, Interesting to me because um, I did I I do know of uh, Kurosawa, and I watched um, this past year. I watched um, uh, Seven Samurai for the first time, so I should know of the movie, but I didn't.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things we actually Michelle and I talked about. Is like, now do I have to like this movie? It's such a quote unquote important movie, you know, that you're almost obligated to like it. So I won't tell you. You'll you'll know after we start talking how I liked it or disliked it, but um, I think it's good to not have to not feel like you have to like something just because it's deemed important by other people. Mm. But yeah, it's it's obviously an old movie. It's 1950. Akira Kurosawa produced it, directed it, and um, it was one of his most early movies. And it was it was um, before he was actually famous. He directed this movie.
0: Right. This Yeah, this movie was actually his entree to Western cinema.
1: Right. So 1950 was right after World War II, right after Hiroshima, essentially, and a couple of years after that. So it was Japan wasn't in the best shape when he was trying to start his career as a movie director. Um, and
0: still he's the most important Japanese director and one of the most important directors ever.
1: Yeah some say so the movie was based on a story called In a Grove from 1922 mm-hmm. it's also known as In a Bamboo Grove it might be you might have heard of that but um do you want to start out and just tell me what you thought of the movie and kind of how you maybe maybe describe what you thought of the plot
0: Sure um yeah I'll, well I'll tell you that um I was excited to watch it because I really loved um the other movie I've seen of his, which was uh Seven Samurai. Um and I didn't know what to expect of it because um I hadn't you know Seven Samurai is a funny movie. It's it's part comedy and um and it was just great. I don't know if you've seen it, but you should if you if you haven't. Um and so I wasn't sure what to expect. And what I did because I knew that I was gonna be talking about this uh, film with somebody, you know, for other people to sort of ingest what I have to say about it, because I did some reading before I actually watched the movie. So I looked it up, and, um, and I, I read just the, you know, the general uh, plot, and I learned about the Rashomon uh, effect, and um, I, I have to say I was stunned um, that this is the first appearance of this sort of um, plot device. Because it has been repeated ad nauseum um, throughout film and television history. I, I know and can name, just off the top of my head, um, you know, at least four or five different sitcoms that have used, I have had at least one episode that have used this sort of uh, plot. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm shocked to see that this is sort of the, um, you know, the, the, um, initiation of this, um, in, 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 in media. Um, and, uh, and that, that was exciting to me. Um, now, um, the movie is long <laughs> and I did not particularly enjoy the movie, Okay um, from a, from a purely entertainment standpoint. Um, I have found that sometimes if if I'm watching a foreign film that is um, from a really sort of uh, either from a from a, from a, a far ago time like from a distant period uh, time period or whether or maybe it's from that's uh, from a particularly closed culture it's sometimes difficult to relate to um, to the acting or to the directing or sometimes both. Um, And what I was pleased to be able to see was um, when I got ready to watch it, I watched it on Hulu Plus and um, Hulu uh, had um, among the extras um, that were included with the film, an interview with the director, Robert Altman um, who talked about the importance of this movie and why he liked it, why um, it's one of his favorites.
1: Yeah, I've seen and, that actually. That's on YouTube. I should post that into the show notes for this. Yeah, that'd be a good
0: idea. It's like ten
1: minutes of Robert Altman.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and um, and so, well, you know, part of what he talks about is the fact that um, there are parts of this film that are inaccessible to us as a Western audience because we do, because we're not Japanese. We don't. We haven't grown up in with the cultural references and the, um, and, and the, um, and the cultural, um, um, I guess, stigmas and um, understanding that, um, that a Japanese person would have. And so these are kind of like um, Samurai movies are kind of like Westerns, like American Westerns. And um, so there's a culture that goes up all around it. And then, you know, there are things that are um, plot devices and things that are symbolic and, um, you know, all of that that's particular to Japanese culture. And we can't really fully access it because we don't have that to draw on from our own experience. But having said that, he refers to this, to this movie in several different places in this interview um, as a poem. Which I find to be um, a beautiful um, reference and a beautiful metaphor for what Kurosawa has done with with the filmmaking, and and to to hear um, Robert Altman explain why um, it, it's such an art form um, to witness or such a piece of art to witness, um, you know, was really enlightening because some of the things that I would have mistaken as being, as being, you know, either poor filmmaking or just low quality filmmaking or things that, um, that, that Kurosawa did on purpose, like the way that he's light in the film. Um, um, and, and the way that some of the, the, um, the, 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 the the shots were kind of blurred. Well, all of that is kind of, um, it was done on purpose and it, and it was done, um, in the way that an artist would um, choose to make the light look or to make the focus look on a painting that, that a painter might might do on a canvas. And, you know, to hear Robert Altman talk about this filmmaker this way, I just, you know, it gave me a, a huge degree, like an even a higher degree of respect for Kurosawa than I had before. Um, and and you know going into I think I mentioned to you earlier that I've that I've um, I've I've got some classes I've got to take at university um, this coming semester and one of them is an art and film class and now I'm really excited about the idea of trying to get into this class because um, you know this kind of stuff about television and filmmaking is is new to me um, I, I don't know a lot about these things about you know uh, directors and uh, filmmakers using um you know film or video as a canvas almost
1: so Um, do you do you think that the um do you think that the story Rashomon is in is it in a Japanese beaker like it's it's an experiment or it's a piece of artwork do you think it's in a Japanese context or is it the human context do you think it's really um Maybe you just answer that is it is it a Japanese story or is it a human story? Well, because you said that the characters I, have you know that's the the culture of Japan is different, so we right. may not understand it the same way they do right well, I
0: mean, I think that the the finer points of the movie that like maybe parts of the dialogue and some of the cultural references are certainly inaccessible to us and may never be accessible to us, you know, unless we studied Japanese culture or we really, really studied this film um, and got an understanding from somebody who really, really knows what the director and writer uh, meant. Um, But on a larger scale, I mean, film cannot be great if it isn't accessible, at least on some some level, um, significant level to yeah. the you know to humanity. It's interesting and that it's, you
1: said that because I didn't even think of that. That like, oh, this is how Japanese people resolve that problem, or this is how they think of this or that. I just I just took it as a human. You know, it's obviously very Japanese. It's in Japan and a gate outside Kyoto, but it's it was to me it was more of a generic human story with with human anyone anywhere you know being able to decipher it
0: and i i think that that on on a very um basic level that's absolutely true and um, and with and i don't mean that to simplify anything because i think that um there's plenty there for i didn't i i'm still thinking about this movie and i and i i feel like i should watch it again um just to be able to make sure i understand I, I know i missed parts of it i think anybody who watches anything once will miss part um even if they're paying attention and and i'd like to to rewatch it just to sort of solidify my understanding of the story but to the point that you were asking about um about you know whether it has it's a human story most well, certainly a human story in the in the in the very in the most basic sense because you know, all of us, I, I sort of think of of human, of humanity this way, of any sort of human soul, human consciousness, as being, um, you know, a prisoner of uh, of its housing, and and by that I mean, you know, your consciousness, whether it's your mind or your soul or however you see um, your your existence, it's filtered. Your, your, your experience of the world is filtered through the tools you have to take it in, you know, the, your mind, your eyes, the way that your brain works, your ears, you, you know, your, your, all of your senses. You take in the world that way. And, and what you give to the world is filtered through not only what you took in and how you put it out, but then how the rest of the world experiences what you're giving to it right and and that's what is brilliant about this story because you know it's it's um, it's told from one, two, three, four different uh, perspectives and everyone's experience was different. were some of the people lying on purpose perhaps but it's also plausible that, almost everyone was telling the truth as they understood it. And that is human. That's, that's, I mean, and it's, you know what? It's not even just human. You could extrapolate and, 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 and make that about the universe itself.
1: Well, let, let me do this, Jamie, because I'm, I'm going to try to keep this in the same framework as I did with Michelle so that anybody who might be listening to this can kind of see the, they can compare the two different interpretations that you guys have. And sure. then ultimately, the third one that you have when you talk to each other. But okay. um, the first thing we did was we talked about how we liked the movie, and I dropped a couple of facts in about Kurosawa. Um, Kurosawa, in his autobiography, said human beings are unable to be honest with themselves about themselves. They cannot talk without embellishing, uh, t- mm-hmm. talk about themselves without embellishing. So he actually believed mm-hmm. in this um, little experiment he set up that. People do have different perceptions of things. Uh-huh. And actually, when he was filming Rashomon, he had three assistant directors that came up to him and said, um, in a very unhappy way, we don't understand the story. What are you trying to do? And he told them, if you read it carefully, you should be able to understand it um, because it's supposed to be understood. It's supposed to be comprehensible. Uh-huh. Um, so they kind of... And in the movie, the very first thing we see is this guy saying, "This commoner guy saying, uh, or the woodcutter—I can't remember which one—but I don't—I don't get this. It doesn't make any sense. It's not—I can't understand it. So mm-hmm. life reflected art for real with Kurosawa and his team there. They—they they didn't understand what he was trying to do at first. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: That is interesting, um, and, and and you know, there's a line. There's a line in the movie. There's I uh, I don't know if it's the woodcutter who says it. I think it is. I think it is the woodcutter who says, um, uh, "How how do how do how do you expect for people to go and tell the truth um, to the court um, when they can't even be honest with themselves? People can't even be honest with themselves." Um, because I, I think he said something like, um, because they're too, they're too sensitive or they, or they're too afraid to, they're too afraid of the truth or, or something like that. Um, so Kurosawa's point of view is very well reflected in the dialogue in the movie.
1: Yeah. And the movie kind of relies on that, on us as observers of stories that we always, Sort of believe that we 're going to get to the bottom of things, that the truth will come through at the end, mm. and even though we kind of get close to the truth, I think we don't really have a definitive truth at the end of this, even after four different versions of it, so that's a little that's a little unsettling for us as observers of this story well,
0: yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and I think that's part of the um, yeah the deceptive simplicity of of excellent storytelling because um you know someone like myself might find it frustrating at the end
1: <laughs> yeah to
0: um to really want to know the truth but to ultimately be left with something that i find to be a discomforting um a fact of life which is that most of the time what we're left with is whatever we find comforting or whatever we can make comforting for ourselves like the priest um, you know, ends the film, with this idea that he says, "Oh, well, I think because of you, um, you know, the the, the woodcutter, right? Uh, because of you, I think I can believe in man again." You know? Right. Um, because well, and the truth, tools. the truth isn't the point
1: in the movie. The point is that the the self serving observations of people and the reasons they have to be self serving, I think, is the point. Because we don't really get a definitive truth.
0: You're right. That's exactly right.
1: So um, so basically, we have a crime. We have a, a samurai and his wife walking through the woods and um, a bandit. bandit mm-hmm. leads the samurai away from his wife with, under the guise of a um, cache of valuable swords he wants them to look at. Mm-hmm. Ties him up, goes back and rapes the wife. Um, and in the, in the end, the samurai is killed and we have a, so we have a samurai, a wife and a bandit, and we have a fourth guy, a woodcutter who observes this. He's like the eyewitness to the crime and we get their four stories. Um, now we get, before we get into the plot and each of the versions of the four stories, you said you do not, you did not like the movie.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I, I had a hard time with it. Um, and I, I think part of it is that I, I think part of my problem with the, with the story is that there was a part of me that wanted more from the, from the samurai. Um, I was disappointed at his role um, in, in the story just because he was such a victim and then he was ultimately dead. And, you know, there was nothing we could do to change that. That was one of the only things about the story that was
1: true. You wanted, we you wanted more true. of a hero? More. Of...
0: I I don't know if I wanted him more of a hero. I think I wanted more of a believable victim. I, to me, he just, he was tied up and then he was just kind of, you know, and, and I think that's. I think it's perfectly legitimate. I think it was the right thing for the author to do for the, for the, for the, uh, yeah, for the author to do. And then for the, for the writer to do. Um, but I, I, it just kind of stuck with me the fact that he was so ineffectual and, um, I guess it sort of, I don't know. I, I, I wanted for him to be a more active part of what happened. And, um, I think some of the, the acting kind of got in the way for me, like the, um, the, uh, some of the, the, yeah, some of the acting of the, the bandit in particular, I, by the way, I found his acting to be actually quite good, but the facial expressions and I think that's another cultural kind of thing. Um, it was a little distracting for me.
1: Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. That guy, the bandit was Toshiro Mifune. He was one of Kurosawa's favorite actors and he was in a lot of his movies.
0: Yeah, he's he's good. He's really good. But again, it's a, it's one of those cultural things, you know. The Japanese um, have certain facial expressions that they do, and you. And, I mean, like if you look at some of the facial expressions he made, they're common even today, even in like modern Japanese society, you find them. But they were distracting to me because I was in my mind, my Western mind, I was looking for um, something that was a little bit less. Um, I wanted his acting to be more subtle. Okay. But it shouldn't it, it shouldn't have been. I mean it was it was what it was, but that was just it kind of it didn't help me to suspend
1: disbelief. No, that's good. I want you to say what you really think, not not try to be be anything other than totally honest. So let's yeah. so let's get into it. So this So Rashomon is the largest gate in the city of Kyoto. And it's in it's in ruins. The very first scene, it's in it's literally falling apart. It's like half erect and half disheveled, and it's in a major rainstorm. And uh, the characters are like prying wood off the sides of the walls to use for a fire to warm up. So it's really in it's really in disarray,
0: shambles.
1: Yeah, and Japan was like that in real life at the time of this movie. Um, I don't know how much that means or doesn't mean to the story because it was based on a 1922 story. But in 1950, you got to remember, it was like right after Hiroshima and World War II and Japan was not in the best shape. Mm -hmm. So Kurosawa was putting this movie together with like thread and glue. You know, it wasn't really well financed. Yeah, so let's, without me leading you down the path, why don't you try to go through what you remember and then I'll give you my opinion on what what you what you relate all
0: right okay well um you know the first thing that struck me about the beginning of the of the movie is the rain um i i think that rain is a beautiful um addition it's a beautiful piece of texture um for for any sort of you know film or, or television um and what it does for me is it kind of makes it intimate because they were you know they were outside right and they were they were um seeking shelter but the rain being all around them just kind of you know was like almost like walls because it, instead of them feeling like they were out in the open you know this this rainstorm i think kind of you know made them Kind of, you know, close to each other. The 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 principals who were telling the story, um, and and I like that. I like the the fact that the rain was uh, was almost like a almost like a character in the movie, or you know, a, or a major part of the scenery.
1: I read um, I read about Kurosawa talking about the technical aspects of making that rainstorm, that the real rain wouldn't show up, or the real clear water wouldn't show up on film. So he, he had to use black ink to make the rain visible on film. Wow. And another thing about the movie too, is the rain, um, more victorious and happy things happened in the rain and the evil things happened in the beautiful bright sunlight, which was kind of a flip flop of how you normally think of storms and beautiful sunny days.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, but you know, again, I mean like without even without knowing, like I didn't know that. Um, I, I didn't see the rain as being um, like an enemy or something or like, you know, like something they were seeking shelter from, you know, from the rain, but it was, a, it was something that created an intimacy, like almost like a protection to their benefit. Um, yeah. 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 So that's, it's, it's beautiful that you, that you said that. I'm glad you said it. Um, yeah. Really, really, really interesting. And and you're right about that. The, um, the, um the sunlight was during, uh, you know, we saw, the, the, you know, this really bright, unfiltered sunlight um, during the trial, and there it's testimony was going on, and, um, and that's interesting because, you know, there, the, I guess the light was literally being shown um, upon, you know, the testimony and the, the words of the people and, um, and the characters themselves. Um, you know, which is uh, very, very beautifully symbolic. And then I guess if you, you know, think about the light and the shadow in that sense, um, you know, that's the, the case as well. Um, I also, you know, I but,
1: read a review by Roger Ebert, and he said that it was the first time, he did some research on it, I guess, and he, I guess, and he said it was the first time that he found ever that a director aimed a camera directly at the sun. And Curacao did that aiming at the sunlight through the trees and he kind of he kind of emphasized the fact that this was in a real forest in a real jungle type environment, and the light was not even at all; it was very dappled. And um, he he aimed his camera at the sun a few times directly.
0: Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that um, that Kurosawa that that was the first time that had been done. But you know, Robert Altman actually brought that up in the interview that I watched as well, um, and he said. That when he saw Kurosawa had done that, he was on. He was working on a project at the time, and he said the very next day after seeing that, he went to work and did the same thing (laughs) to show the the sun. Like pointed the camera up toward the sun. He said, "I I think somebody he was swinging or something," and he kept you know going up and showing the sun and using that um, all that was the. The, that the sunlight was providing there, um, all of the interesting visual effect that was being provided by the, the natural sunlight um, and having the camera pointing up in that direction, he used it. And so, you know, that's just another point of genius um, of Kurosawa, uh, you know, that, that we don't know, like, I didn't know, you know, any of this stuff, um, you know, before, um, you know, watching the movie, watching the interview, then now talking to you. And it's fascinating to me because, um, you know, again, you know, we see these kinds of techniques that he initiated, um, you know, being used now so much, they're common, um, they're ubiquitous and we don't even think twice about them. We just know they're beautiful or they're effective, Um, you know, but he, he was the initiator of these things. So it's kind of,
1: kind of awesome. It seems like something as simple as that someone would have thought, you know, well, I'll try that. What if I do that? And then you're right. Altman kind of said, once he found that little trick, he couldn't keep his camera from pointing at the sun. Okay. Pretty cool. So let's, let's look at the story. So the, there's four characters. Let's, what do you remember about the bandit? Let's start with the bandit.
0: Okay. Well, the bandit. The thing that really struck me about him is, you know, his face is kind of a modern face. Um, and by that, I mean, like, I, could, I can imagine watching his face in a movie today. Like, you know, standards for what's attractive changes. But I find, I find that his face would be attractive if I saw him in a movie today. And so it was kind of, I, and that may have been why his expressions were distracting to me. Because I was looking at him and I was thinking, you know, like how well he was cast because of his acting. You know, like the first the first um, scene where they, they showed him and he was, you know, testifying. And then he sort of went into his memory and he was, you know, imagining, recalling himself sort of laying at the base of that tree where he was, where we see him, you know, um, before he runs into the samurai and the samurai's wife, right? Um you he's laying there and the facial expressions that he's making, I was actually drawn so far into his face and his acting that I was imagining this actor as a child, like looking at his face and thinking how perfectly he portrays a bandit because he's got this kind of like... Playfulness and um, lawlessness about him in his expressions, in his reactions, in just like how his how he smiles and 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 the way that he holds his body and everything. And, and it was just, it was, it was interesting to me. I was really drawn in. And before I knew anything about the story, before we had any sort of idea about the samurai, even I was thinking that maybe that there would be a bit more interplay between the two of them and a bit more dialogue. And that because they were kind of opposites on the scale of, um, of characters, you know there's one that's a, a noble man supposed to be really you know noble and standing for ideals and that I kind of think and then you've got you know the bandit who's the opposite i was thinking that we would see more about both of them and that i would be able to look at the samurai's face and see his breeding kind of and where he came from and and what on his face led him to be you know cast as this character, and then that, you know, that the actor in the story sense turned into this, um, into this, you know, samurai. And so that's, you know, all of that's a long way of saying that, um, you know, the the casting of, of the actor as the bandit, even though I, I wasn't comfortable with a lot of his facial expressions, I think was brilliant because he, the way that he carried himself and the way that he um, spoke and acted just was so authentic to someone who just didn't give a crap about anything. Yeah,
1: and it was I, really th- pretty- I think Kurosawa made the bandit into, like, really an animal-type figure, too. Like, he's sleeping on the ground, he's swatting at flies, and he's grunting, and he laughs, like, maniacally, and he's he's just unbridled. And and he he was the one in the story. It seemed like he had the most animal instincts, right? He wanted the woman, so he took the woman, you know, without mm-hmm. social restrictions or social obligations. He was just animalistic.
0: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're right about that. And then even the character himself speaks and says, you know, he says to, and now I can't, you've got me thinking, I'm trying to remember which version of the story it was that this happened in. But in, in one of the versions of the story, he says to the wife, after he rapes her, he says, you know, I, I, I want to sacrifice everything for you now, basically. Like, I, you know, normally when I get what I want, I get what I want and I'm done. But I've had you and I still want you. So I'll give up everything for you. I'll stop being abandoned. I'll go and sell knickknacks. I'll do whatever I have to do. I've got enough wealth now that I can give you a life of luxury. Just anything, you'll just be with me, he says to her. And, and that's so, it's so animal because he doesn't know. He, he doesn't know his own mind. You know, he, he reacted out of, um, you know, out of instinct, really, because he said, you know, in the beginning he said, it wasn't my intention to kill the samurai. I didn't want to kill him. I just wanted his wife. And I, my, my plan was to get the wife without having to kill him. And, you know, and then he slept with the wife and then he realized, oh, you know, I can't resist you. And, and it was just kind of all of it was on the fly. Everything that he did was kind of action, reaction, action, reaction, without a whole lot of self-discipline going into anything that he did.
1: Right. Yeah, he and he's also in his version of the story, he's very honorable with the samurai like he cuts him free and offers him a sword and says let's fight fairly and the 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 um the wife in his in the bandit story, the wife actually tricks him into into thinking kill my husband or you know, at least have a duel so only one of you will know that I've been dishonored by two men.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's why I really should watch it again, because I think that um, it it's going to make a difference to my perception of the movie. Once I get everybody's because I don't have everyone's story straight. Like I can't remember. And like the part that I was just telling you about now where he says, Oh, I'll give up everything. And now I'm willing to bet that that's probably the wife's end of it that her part of the story because it puts her in a very desirable light it casts her as being you know this person that's irresistible and um you know that he he's willing to give up everything for so
1: yeah you know, i think I in the know. bandit story the band to sum up the bandit he pretty much says the woman after she knew me as such a great um powerful man gave herself willing, willingly to me and then asked me to take care of the husband. So two males wouldn't know her as being uh, tarnished by having sex with two men. So he gallantly, okay. bravely offers a duel to the samurai and then he wins okay. that duel. And okay. so, so obviously his story is very much slanted by his putting himself into a nice light. A good life. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But he, but he at the end of his story, says, they ask him about the dagger, like, why'd you leave such a nice, expensive dagger behind? He's like, oh, yeah, that was stupid of me. I sh- that was a mistake. I should have taken that. I'm a bandit. I should have stolen the dagger. So he kind of <laughs> reveals his true colors. Right, right. So what about the wife? What do you remember about her? Well,
0: um, you know, I... I um, I think that, it, uh, I mean, if I look at it from her, the way that she tells the story, um, you know, she comes off in a, in a very unflattering light in all but her own, all all, all of the all of the versions. She's of a victim, own. yeah, yeah. Um, and yes. I, I'm sorry.
1: That's okay. I was going to I was just going to help you a little bit if you don't remember exactly. So sh- so she kind of says that the bandit left her after raping her and she went back to her husband, but her husband um kind of shunned her, looked at her coldly. And Right, she... and
0: that was I'm sorry. That was, I was I was going to say that was um really really compelling uh acting on her part and I think in a Western sense it could be considered like overacting maybe a little bit, but yeah. in the, in the sense of the movie, it was really compelling because, you know, the, t- during the time that she's looking at him m- almost the entire time that, that she's feeling this horrible rejection of, of, you know, in this cold stare that he's giving her and his disapproval and she can't bear it. We can't see, we can't see the actual face that he's making at her, the expression on his face, but the discomfort that she feels is so tremendous, um, that it just, and he takes so much time with her, you know, begging him not to, to look at her that way. And, 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 screaming out of horror that he just won't stop doing it that it it gives you time for your mind to actually you know sort of get into the place of the character and really think about like that expression that you can't see like what's behind that expression that you can't see
1: well I, th- th- I think <laughs> we saw enough of the of the samurai the husband to know that he in her eyes he was looking at her like with total disdain like cold of cold course. rejection Right, You had sex right. with another man, you can't, you can't even be in the same room with me anymore.
0: Right, right. And, um, and I, I just, I, I thought that um, the technique was really, it was great because not seeing his face is, uh, there's, uh, it was so much better than seeing it. Because yeah. we have to imagine, you know, how, how cold his stare must be. We have to imagine you know him looking at her with that kind of disapproval that would cause that reaction in her. Yeah, and um, yeah, and and you know, and uh, during the time that she was on screen and, and this scene was happening, I just kept thinking of you know the times in my life that I've really really disappointed someone, and and that they've had a look on their face that I couldn't stand to I couldn't bear to to, to see. Interesting. Um, yeah,
1: what did you think of the Japanese version of Ravel's Bolero during the wife's story? Did you notice that? I didn't. They I didn't. played. They played a very it was Japanese sounding music, but it was a direct um, model of Ravel's Bolero. And I don't know if Kurosawa admitted that, but it's in it's in a few reviews of the movie that that was very much a. Um, simulation or imitation of of that song, that that musical passage. Wow.
0: Yeah. No, I, I didn't um, let's see. It says here I'm reading on uh, Wikipedia. It says that the the film was scored by Fumio Hay- Hayasaka, who is among the most respected Japanese composers. At the director's request, he included an adaptation of Bolero by Maurice Ravel especially during the woman's story. So it's definitely credited.
1: Right. Yeah. So the is, woman, is... the, the actress of the woman was interesting. Her name's Machiko Kyō. She was 18 when she did that. It was one wow. of her first movies. Um, wow. But yeah, she was really beautiful. She was really, and you know, this, if anything, it did have a Japanese slant to it. She had the very Japanese pure white face and just very innocent, pure young looking face. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I've, so I've one like... interesting thing about the story is the samurai's version has to be told through a medium because he's obviously been killed. Right. So we have the psychic telling this creepy, creepy ass version which right. was which was brilliant, I thought, in this movie. Mm-hmm. As this odd woman um, channeling this dead samurai spirit to, to give his version from the grave of what had happened. Um right. It was brilliant. That, right. that woman was super creepy. Her voice got twisted into whatever, pretty close to a guy's voice, I guess, but it was just very, very weird.
0: Yeah, I think it had to be some sort of voiceover stuff because it was really a, a very strange-sounding um Voice and uh, I, I'm with you on that one. I I, I thought it kind of sounded like a man and um, it, it was really different. And um, again, just really, um, you know, it, 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 I would say that there are parts of this uh, of this film that seem almost like um, like a different genre, like almost like a horror movie. It's a really unique um, story. It's a really unique.
1: Uh, movie Uh, yeah that segment with the psychic was very horror movie-ish if anything Um, but (laughs) basically the, the story with the samurai is that he claims that the bandit raped his wife asked her to come with him and be with him and then she said yes to that and then asked the bandit to kill the samurai to kill her husband so she so again she would not have to be guilty about having been with both men and then, yeah and then
0: and, and the samurai says um he says uh that the what did he say- uh,
1: well, well, the bandit says, what the bandit's shocked by that statement <laughs> that, right so so he takes her and throws her aside and gives the samurai a choice you can we can let the woman go or I'll kill her, you choose." Because he, the bandit's disgusted with the woman for leaving her husband right. behind and going with him. Right,
0: and, and uh, the samurai says um, uh, that for his words alone, when the when the bandit said that, he said for the for these words alone, I was ready to pardon his crime. So I mean, both of the guys are just like this woman is just you know, I mean, they're just pretty much done with her.
1: Right. So the woman runs away, and then the bandit tries to, I guess, go after her, or catch her again, and he gives up, and he just turns around and sets the samurai free, and then the samurai kills himself with that dagger just out of total shame and disgust, I guess.
0: You know, um, I, um, I was, I was really—that's part of what one of the parts of the movies that I thought was the most affecting. Um, in a movie that was very, very emotionally affecting, um, <clears throat> was the description of um, his experience of death through the medium. When she um, was describing, you know, the darkness and the silence, and um, the removal of the dagger from his chest, and um, all of that, when it, when the medium was discussing, when she was describing that. I thought it was really, I mean, it was very, very absorbing, um, part of the, of the movie for me. And I think it was probably the part of the movie that was the most, I was drawn in the most, um, during that bit of dialogue, um, just because it was, I had, I would never have expected that, um, to happen. And I have, I guess, a sort of a fascination with understanding the unseen or, you know, things that we can't understand. Things like, you know, um, the origins of the universe and that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, anything that's kind of beyond a barrier that that humans can really sense um, is, is fascinating to me. And when the medium was describing it, it was just so, I got lost in the description trying to imagine, you know, and sort of, you know, wonder... You know if that would if that's what it's like. You know if that might be what it's like to be dead and to still have some remnants of ability to sense things or you know what have you. It, it was it was fascinating, fascinating.
1: So one okay. so one interesting thing that the story uses to make us believe each of these three versions of this first three versions of the story is that each person telling the story admits to killing the samurai, so they're not trying to ex. Exal- absolve themselves from the crime they actually each admit to being part of the murder um of course the samurai's version is suicide but it's uh it's yeah. not like they're swaying guilt over to somebody else it's the it, it makes us believe them cuz they are e- essentially admitting the guilt of the murder but right. Then we get to the woodcutter so do you remember what the woodcutter said
0: um well let's see i can help you uh he he's he's well, he didn't testify because he didn't want to get involved in right. the in in the story. and um what he saw was um basically what to me seems like the most true because nobody was really cast as a hero. like the fighting wasn't you know um you know, tough and you know cinematic. it was very clumsy and kind of you know um ineffectual and um <clears throat> everyone came off really bad.
1: <laughs> right. His
0: version. Like including the band in the
1: bandits version he says something like the samurai was a great warrior our swords ca- crossed 25 times and that's never happened with me before it was an epic battle. But yeah. in the woodcutter story they fight like a couple of drunken sailors they're slipping and kicking and scratching and they're afraid of each other and it's not a very good elegant fight.
0: Right, right, clumsy, and they, they make a lot of mistakes, and, and you can see, I mean, and that was another thing that I think is just, um, you know, for a movie that I didn't enjoy very much, just really, really brilliant um, filmmaking, because, you know, you're watching that, that scene in the, the woodcutter's version, um, where, you know, and it's just taking freaking forever for them to, you know, finally wrap it up because it's, that's what happens when you, you know, you don't know what you're doing and you're afraid, uh, you know, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to lunge and miss and you're going to, you know, do all these things and it doesn't look brilliant and it doesn't look, um, you know, aggressive and, and, um, choreographed and all of that. Um, and I just, I think it was great because, you know, that's the, I think the story that's the, the most, close to the truth, you know, though we'll never know, you know, what was really, um,
1: yeah, completely, completely true. He, he diminishes both the woodcutter and or the, both the samurai and the bandit because they're, you know, they're afraid to kill each other and they're both afraid to die. So they're just, they're just trying to survive.
0: Right. Um, And even even the wife, in that version is afraid and she's horrified and she, you know, she's instigated this whole thing, but she can't look and she's afraid. And, you know, the whole thing is just kind of, um, is awful, which is what happens when you kill people and all of what happened was really awful. And so, you know, it, it should have been perceived that way.
1: Yeah. The woodcutter is you were mentioning earlier, like what, how did the bandit beg the wife to come away with him did he do that or did the wife do that that was actually the woodcutter's version he he viewed he viewed the bandit just begging and begging the samurai's wife to to marry him and run away with him okay it was his version That's um and the, and in the woodcutter's version it was also the the woman the wife criticized both the samurai and the bandit saying you guys aren't real men Because real men would fight for a woman's love, (laughs) and she tried to get them to fight, but then they were afraid of each other. and um, So, so yeah, it's probably most truthful from the woodcutter, but then the woodcutter had the little twist in his story that he didn't mention that he took the dagger.
0: Oh, well, you know, he's got those six kids. He's going he's
1: to provide for yeah so that was a twist after that later on we see the in the very conclusion about the the baby and the temple and all that but the but that was a little a little glitch in the woodcutter story to make it a little less believable is he didn't tell the entire truth he left out the dagger
0: right and it's necessary too because that's the you know that's a big part of this part of the uh the idea of the story is that you know we 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 don't tell the truth to ourselves and and so that's why you get mixed up stories and people who would swear that things happened one way and didn't necessarily happen that way.
1: So what about what about that very ending? What do you remember about that with the baby at the at the um Rashomon gate?
0: Well, I mean, I remember being just really horrified that the um uh who was the guy that the the guy that took the um
1: yeah, he was just a commoner. He was just a dude standing, okay, was... in the, uh, getting comfort from the rain with the priest. Okay, he was right, just okay. another comm- guy. That's what
0: they called him. Yeah, the commoner. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the the commoner stealing the um, the uh, the medallion, the amu- What was it? It was a medallion, right?
1: Yeah, an amulet or a medallion, and an, the baby's an blanket amulet. right off
0: the baby. Yeah. Yeah, the kimono and the, and, the, and the amulet right off the baby. Um, and then saying, you know, you know that somebody else will take it if I don't take it and that kind of thing. It's just such a great study in character, you know, human character. Um, just the whole thing. I mean, because everyone's reactions, the priest, every person, every character um, was really true to who they are, who they were. You know, as 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 characters, how they were written. Yeah. Um, you know, the the priest was you know losing his idealism and trying to find his idealism, and um, <clears throat> you know, and um, and uh, you know, the commoner was doing something that was very quite common to people, <laughs> taking advantage of a situation and maybe stealing something, and stealing you know that kind candy of thing from
1: a baby. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so the woodcutter already has six children but he agrees to take the baby like and you know he's poor he doesn't enough have enough food or money to even feed his family now but he says well what's one more i'll raise this right. baby and protect this baby so that gives the priest new hope and humanity and right. that's kind of how it closes the woodcutter walks away with the baby taking it home right um and the clouds right. open up and the sun comes out
0: right yeah um yeah and which you know, hearing you describe that um, kind of brings to mind, uh, back to mind um, what Robert Altman said, which is that this is a poem. You know, it's it's just it's just that beautiful kind of um, you know, uh, almost like a like a, a, a slice of, of of life, like a slice of existence, um, a vignette almost, um, just giving you a little taste of of what you know, has to be, a, you know, just a grand life experience for this, you know, little pocket of society, if it were real, if it were not fictional, um, you know, for these people. You just get this little bit of of what's there, and it opens, and then it closes, it's done. Um, it's, it, I can't complain about it in a technical sense. You know, it's just, it, I don't know, I think I'd have to watch it again, because it's really... Um, <clears throat> it's allegorical and um and it's it's it i mean it's got it, it's got a real psychological kind of a bent to it um which is fascinating you know again just because you know it's c- complex at a time when you know psychology wasn't a really old science at that time um i think it had only been around for probably maybe 40 years or so um as a proper science, maybe less. Um, and so it's interesting that that uh you know the story was told so deftly um you know from that kind of a standpoint and uh and uh there wasn't a lot for Kurosawa to draw upon and, and uh and I guess it was true to the to the story in a grove and so You know, maybe I don't know how much he took from there, but it was brilliantly done. I can't complain about the movie. Not one of my favorites. But I, I, you know, honestly, it's it's, technically it's very, 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 very good.
1: Okay, well, I'm not going to tell you how much I liked or didn't like the movie. I'm going to let you talk to Michelle first another time, but um, then she'll tell you or I'll tell you later what I thought of it. But I don't want to take your opinion. Um, Well, I've had
0: to I've I've had to consciously kind of, um, you know, not think of what I think you might think of it since you mentioned this, since we got on the phone, um, because I assumed that you actually really, really like this movie, because when we first um, spoke about it, when you asked me to watch it and then um, give you my opinions about it, um, you said it was a classic and so, and you thanked me for indulging you with the Midnight Review. So yeah. I, I well, you the, know, I,
1: I, the reason for doing it is because of that, the other podcast Michelle and I do with the affair, because they use the Rashomon effect in the affair. Oh, It's an, it's okay. an affair with the percept perspective of the husband and a perspective of the, uh, the woman who's he's having an affair with. It's really interesting. So it's, they use this Rashomon effect in that show.
0: You know, um, I think I'll have to start watching that, that, uh, that series.
1: And the the writer, the writer Hagai Levi, Levi did, he created this with that idea. Like what if people had an affair and I use the Rashomon effect and he did a show called in treatment back in the mid nineties or not, not that long ago, back in the mid, uh, two thousands. Um, it's a very psychological show and the affair is a very psychological show that, deals with the feelings of people within within an affair, and their different perceptions of how things happen. So it's pretty, in treatment. pretty that
0: cool. Was, the, was that the, the, the show with Gabriel Byrne?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was a really, really well-written series. It's the same people, the same uh, writer, okay. Haggai Levi, and Sarah Treem um, okay. is mm-hmm. the woman partnered with Haggai Levi to do it. But yeah, it's just like in treatment.
0: Okay, yeah, and now I'm going to watch it.
1: <laughs> so thank you. Thank sure. you for giving me yet another interesting thing to watch. So yeah, Haggai Leve and Sarah Treem did, did the story for The Affair, and they modeled it after um, Roshan. Okay. So it's Sarah Treem with a T. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, Jamie. This is, It's getting late. We're pushing an hour plus on this podcast, So, and I know it's late your time. So we'll set up a time for, um, for you and Michelle to talk.
0: Wonderful, sounds great. Thank you so much.
1: All right, we'll have a good day at class tomorrow.
0: All right, thank you so much. Have a good night okay. sleeping. Good night, Bye, Mike. Bye. Bye.